Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. This is, I think, the pinnacle in the Christian calendar is going to be Resurrection Sunday. I mean, Christmas is good and it needed to happen. Otherwise, we couldn't have this day. But I think this is the most significant event to ha- ever ever happen in human history that Jesus would resurrect from the dead. And as I said on Good Friday, you know, a lot of things are going to come and go in life. But I think that what makes this day more significant than than any other is that in a billion, billion, billion years, this will still matter to you. You know, do you know that? In a billion, billion, billion years, this day will still matter to you. It will still have an impact and an effect on your life. And the reason for that is that this life is not all there is. That there is so much more that comes after this. I know it's hard to think of eternity, but come on, guys. Eternity, let me just say this. Eternity is a long, long time. Like if I say a billion years, it's hard to imagine. And eternity is even longer than that. So I think that it is worth thinking about where you spend it. Amen? About four or five of you agree with me. Guys, it's a lot more important than that. If you're a follower of Jesus, you already do believe that that's important. It's why you made the decision that you have made. I think it is worth thinking about. And let's be honest, we don't really want to talk about the reason why that matters so much. You know, I'm talking about, you know, death, right? You know, we, we don't want to talk about that. It's, it's not a popular subject, is it? It doesn't come up a lot. We'd be pretty happy to just avoid it altogether. But you know, it does come up at Easter and funerals. For the rest of our lives, we'd be happy if we never talked about it. We would just put it to the back of our minds and and not really think about it. But it is an important thing to think about. Now, I want to tell you guys today, just so you know, from the outset, I am a pro-science person. I love science, you know. I love Nat Geo. Uh, I love the Discovery Channel. love watching my shark docos. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a science person, right? But, but the problem with science is that it just doesn't answer the existential questions in life. Like the really important stuff. Like, why am I here? Who created me? Does my life matter? What happens, you know, after we die? And, you know, people have always asked those questions and they're important questions to answer. And I'll tell you why, because, and this, I mean, you're going to be so glad you came to church today to write down little pieces of information like this, but because death has a 100% strike rate. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess in some way we all know that we've we got to face this day eventually. And I guess it's, it's not a popular subject, but it's an important subject. You know, on the other side of things, in the New Testament, in the Bible, they talk about eternal life 65 times. 65 times they talk about eternal life. And I'm interested in that subject. I want to know more about that. And I think in Jesus' day, the reason that they talked about eternal life so much is people had the same questions. People wanted the same stuff to be answered. What happens after we die? You know, do we just go to this void? Do we go to this? Is it just blackness? Am I even self-aware? What happens after we die? People still want to know this stuff. Now, if I want to get fit, I don't go and see my accountant. 
I don't go meet with them as good as they might be. They can get my finances in shape, but they're not really gonna be able to help me with this stuff. So when I've got existential questions, if I wanna know about eternity, I don't go see my accountant, I go to the creator of heaven and earth. I have to go to the person who made everything I know and everything I've ever seen. He's the one that I need to go to. This is the same one that Moses called the eternal God. I wanna go to the eternal God. Now, some interesting things happened while Jesus was alive. He actually claimed to be God and that has implications. Because if Jesus is God, then everything that He said about life, death, and eternity, it matters. Like it has impact on us, right? Everybody? Everyone? Okay, I feel like you're with me. All right. Well, what I want to do today is I want to read a scripture to you. It comes out of Colossians. It's in chapter 1, verse 15. This is a bit of a description about Jesus. This is the way that the Bible puts it. It says that He is the image of of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, when I say firstborn, maybe in English you think, oh, firstborn, so he's human just like everyone else. But that is not what it means in its original language. They would have taken that to mean that he is preeminent. In other words, he is the head of all creation. He's before all creation, that his life is significant. It matters in terms of time and space and in means of importance. In verse 16, it says, now listen into this part, because if you miss this part, you're going you're gonna to miss a lot of the important stuff. But it says in verse 16, for by Him, who's the Him? Right, Jesus. It's Jesus, right. So by Him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. Did you catch that? Like, don't let that slip on by. Like He's created everything. Jesus has created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Well, I guess if He created heaven and earth, He had to be around to do that first, right? So I guess we just take that to mean that He is the pre-existent Christ. He didn't come alive the moment that He was born to the Virgin Mary. He must have existed before that. How could He create heaven and earth if He didn't exist? It says, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, say all things. All things were created through Him and for Him. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus is the pre-existent God who stepped out of His eternally significant dwelling place and He came from heaven to earth. And the question is, why would He do that? Now, there are a couple of answers to that question. And one of the answers to those questions is that He loves people. I mean, that's really the motivation behind why He came. That's His motivation. But what did He come for? What did He do? Well, He came to solve humanity's greatest problem. Now, I don't know if you've got any problems in your life right now like your maybe your finances are out of order and they do need to get into shape maybe you I don't know need a job maybe you've got health issues or relationship issues in your life but whatever your problems could be today or whatever you're facing in your life today I would say to you that the biggest problem that you and I have the biggest problem that humanity has ever faced is the problem we just call sin and I like to explain what that is because if you're new to church and you have no idea what sin really means, then we're going to have different perspectives on it. So I'll just take a moment 
to explain that, I would put sin into two categories. The first sin is the one that everyone thinks of. It's the sins of commission. It's the stuff that we do that we're not supposed to do. And I would feel pretty comfortable in saying, you've all done that. We've all done stuff we're not supposed to do. And then there's the other side of sins. The other category is the sins of omission. That's the stuff that you are supposed to be doing right now that you're not doing. It's the opportunities that you were meant to act on that you didn't act on. And if we were to put a circle around the sins of commission and the sins of omission and say that you fell somewhere in both categories, then I would say that you have missed the mark in terms of your design and intention. God created you for a purpose. And let's be honest, there are parts of that purpose that are slipping away. And that's really what sin means. It's just left of center. It could be a fraction of error, but it does mean to miss the mark in terms of your design and intention. And if we were going to be honest today, I think that most of us would say that we have missed a few things in life, that we haven't walked through this life perfectly. By no stretch of the imagination is anyone perfect in this room. And that has implications for our life. Now, that, I talk about perfection because by the way, when I say, you know, a fraction or error or stepping outside of what we're supposed to do, even then we might have a difference about and ideas about what's right and what's wrong. The issue is that we are all not living up to our own standards, but we're living up to God's standards. Now, all we had to do to avoid the problem of sin was to be perfect. I mean, how hard could that be? Turns out pretty hard, guys really difficult, really hard. And none of us are perfect. Every single one of us have done something that we weren't supposed to do. The truth is, is that we needed help. We needed someone, because let's face it, for thousands of years, people tried to live up to God's standards, but not one person could do it. Guys, we had a great crack at it. We tried for thousands of years, you know, not you, but, but you know, humanity, and no one was ever able to do it. So it kind of pointed to this, this fact, this, this, this idea that we needed someone from the outside to help us because we obviously weren't getting it. We obviously weren't being able to do it. You know, years ago, I went with my family on a holiday to Bright. Not our church. Wouldn't that be weird if we spent our holidays here? We'd just sleep in the foyer or something, no. We, uh, we went to the place, we went to Bright. And we went out for dinner one night and my family decided that they were going to go back early. And I st stuck around with my friend and, and we stayed up a lot later and we we're just chatting. And anyway, we, we decided to go back a lot later. And by the time we got to the hotel, uh, the doors were locked and we could not get in. We sort of knocked on the door. We couldn't get in. We had the swipe card. It wasn't working. Nothing was letting us in. We weren't able to do it. So we had an idea. And we thought, well, we're only on the second story. Why don't we just climb up the side of the building, right? So there we are, climbing up a, the, the lattice, up the side of the building, scaling across like a roof, and then up onto the balcony. And then we climbed over the balcony. And I thought, I hope that someone has left the window open because we're just going to go in through the window. And uh, here we are. We tried to open the window and that was jammed too. And I thought, man, where are we going to spend tonight? I started looking at those A-frame signs out the front of the building and thinking that could make a good tent. We could sleep here tonight just to take, you know, cover from the, the, the you know, the weather and that. And, and in the end, what I did is I, I banged on the door and thank God my brother was a light sleeper. He came to the window and he opened the window and he let me in. 
And I could tell you, if it wasn't for him and for his help, I was never going to get in. I needed someone on the inside to help me. I needed someone to do for me what I could not do myself. And that's exactly what it's like with Jesus. He was in heaven, but we needed Him to open the doorway for us because I tell you the truth right now, knock as hard as you like. No one is breaking into heaven. I tried to break into that hotel, you know, just a second story window, but no one is breaking into heaven with good works and good intentions. No one. You, you can't get in there. And I think that that's important to mention because when I speak to people about God, and especially if they're not Christians, they think the way that our relationship with God works and the way that we get into heaven is that we just have to be really, really good. And it's a terrible thing to think because then the question is, and I ask this question all the time, well, how good is good enough? How's the scale work? When have you done enough good stuff to outweigh the bad stuff? And in fact, the truth is the system, like what we believe, it doesn't work like that. But I'll tell you what does, every other faith on the planet, every other faith on the planet has a system of works. If you can be good enough, you'll ascend higher. In Christianity, we don't believe anything like this. This is why Christianity stands alone from every other faith. Do you know what we believe? That we are saved by grace through faith in what Jesus Christ has done. And it's got nothing to do with us and nothing to do with our good works. And yeah, come on, we should be doing some good works. Why? Well, we're going after a life with Jesus, but those good works will not help us break into heaven. We need someone from the inside to help us do it. That person is Jesus. How good. That person is Jesus. Now, this is what the Scriptures say about Jesus. In Philippians 2.6, it says, He was in the form. That word in its original language, it means essence. He was in the form of God. He's the essence of God. But then it goes on to say that He was also took the form of a servant. What does that mean? That He looked like He was human. So what do we take that to be? He was always God, but He just looked like a human being. And people at this time in history, they could not understand that. Like when he said things like he was God, they could not handle it and they rejected him because of that. And you know, now we understand looking back on the Scriptures, how the whole thing works, but there are still people today that reject Jesus as God because they still don't understand how this could possibly be true. They make the same mistakes that the religious leaders made. And I would say this, the whole reason Jesus came from heaven to earth is because He loves you. Don't make the same mistake religious people did by rejecting Him and who He is. So then what do we know about Jesus? Well, born of the Virgin Mary, but of divine origin. So earthly mother, heavenly father come together. He was 100% divine and 100% human. That's 200%, which we say is impossible, but not in the person of Jesus. He did the impossible and He is the impossible. And then what did He say of Himself? Well, how's this for a statement? He said to some Jewish people that were asking him, he said, before Abraham was, I am. And if you don't read the Bible very often, and maybe that just went over your head. And if you don't come to church, I can understand how that would be true. 
That statement, I am, was him self-declaring that he was God because I am was the way that God introduced himself to Moses through a burning bush in the desert. He just said, I am that I am. Don't try to figure me out. You're not gonna understand everything I am. So Jesus says to all the people that were listening, I am what? I am the eternal God. I am the creator of heaven and earth. And no other major world religion has as its founder, someone who says, I am God. You see how different Christianity is to every other belief system out there. It's different. Nobody else said, no, from a major faith, no one else said, I am God, except Jesus said, now, if that's true, then that matters. If everything that Jesus said was true, it matters. Now, when Jesus was on the earth, He talked about two eternal dwelling places. He said, you can either go to eternal life or you could go to eternal death. And Jesus spent considerable amount of time talking about eternal life. I'm coming to bring eternal life. And, and His disciples, they were into it. They believed the message and He was talking about eternal life. You know, right up until the moment until He died. Up until that moment. And then you got this guy called Jesus that's talking about eternal life, but he's dead. And I reckon the disciples were thinking, well, how does the guy that reckons he can give us eternal life, well, he's dead now, so what are we going to do? Like, is everything that he said, was that really true? You know, and let's, Come on, let's make no mistakes about it. When Jesus died on the cross, I mean, He was like dead, completely and utterly dead. You know, some people want to say, ah, well, you know, maybe He wasn't dead. Ah, you know, maybe they took Him down. He was all right. You know, a couple of days later, He recovered. Are you joking me? Like, do you know what He went through? What are we saying? I mean, if that were really true, what would we be saying? We'd be saying, are oh, these, these Roman soldiers, what, that they don't know how to do their job? You think? Man, they were so good at killing, they could have put it on their resume. They could have wrote it down. Skills, killing, right? Skills, I bring death. I know how to kill really well. I'm just good at it. I'm just good. I've just, I have a natural flair for this stuff, you know? Like they could put that down. I'll tell you something about the Roman soldiers. They knew what they were doing. So when they said he's dead, they knew it. And then what happened, you know, even if he was not dead, which he was, but even if, you know, he wasn't. They took him down and they wrapped him in linen cloth, right? Because we know he had that, he folded it neatly after he, you know, resurrected, right? But here he is and they wrapped him in linen cloth. And then you know what they did? They covered him in about 34 kilos of like myrrh and aloes and, and they put this stuff all over his body. 34 kilos. Like if he didn't die on the cross, he would have suffocated in that thing. Like you couldn't breathe with that. All right. I don't even like walking through the perfume section of Maya. <laughs> have you ever gone through that? Come on, you all have. Do, you know, and every time I go through it, I'm like, here we go. And then I go through, <laughs> hoping that I don't smell like everything I just walked through, you know? And, and I, I can't breathe, the air is thick, you know? And, and I can't breathe properly in there. Uh, 
you know what? We've just come out of a pandemic. People don't even like to wear masks. So here he is wrapped in linen cloth with 34 kilos of aloe and mercury. If that was all over his face, there's no way he would have survived that. So when I say he was dead, I'm telling you, he was dead. And I guess death had a way of undermining Jesus's message about eternal life. They're like, you were supposed to be the guy that brought us to eternal life, but here you are and you're dead too. So, all right, I'll tell you something. I love watching the NBA. That's something that I, I, I love. You know, my wife and I, Sarah, Pastor Sarah, we, we sit back, we watch the NBA. And sometimes I, I make this mistake because my team is Golden State Warriors. That's, that's who we follow. So anyway, I, I'm on Instagram and I follow these guys. And every time I want to watch a game, and this will have happened to you if you like sport, I just forget. And if I'm scrolling through, you know what happens? Score comes up. And as soon as you see it, you can't unsee it. And I'm telling, I get so mad. I'm like, how did I do this again? Like, I can't believe it. So I'll get home and Sarah will be saying like, hey, do you, do you wanna watch the game? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, great, let's watch it. And I don't tell her that I've seen the score. So we'll be sitting there and watching it. And here, you know, Sarah is going up and down with the, you know, the, the emotional roller coaster that is watching this game. Are they gonna win? And here I am going, ah, oh, yeah, you know. Because I know how it ends. I, I don't get caught up in the emotional journey like she does. I know what's going to happen in the end, right? Well, very evidently, the disciples did not. They did obviously did not know what was going to happen in the end. Why? Because they took the emotional roller coaster Friday night and all day Saturday and even Sunday morning. In fact, a couple of the disciples, they even thought, you know what, we're getting out of here because if they killed Jesus, they'll be coming for us next. So they just got, they were trying to get out of there. They were on a, on a road to a place called Emmaus until Jesus turned them around and sent them back, you know. But, but here they were, they said, we're getting out. Everyone came to that weekend without any expectation that Jesus was gonna rise from the dead and forget all the teaching and everything that he'd done. They thought this is it, it's done and it's over. All of his disciples are in mourning and the Marys, the Marys, they went to Jesus's tomb on the Sunday morning and they didn't go there with the expectation that he was gonna raise, be raised from the dead. Come on, if they believed that that was true, they would have got a big banner saying, welcome, back they would have got like Peter and you know everyone but Judas because he was not invited um, everyone but Judas would have little party poppers and streamers you ready here he comes any minute now what's when is it going to happen right what's the time he's late you know and they would have been ready to do it but they were not doing that where were they mourning crying they couldn't even believe that it was a possibility the Marys went there in the morning not with the expectation that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead but it was actually a tradition that on the third day, that is the peak of the morning period. That's why they went. It's the peak of the morning period. They went there in their deepest despair. I love that in the place of the deepest despair, Jesus comes back. That when people are at their lowest, that's when He shines. And so here are the Marys and, and they realize what's happened. And, you know, they, they, they see everything and they have this conversation with Jesus and they're like, He's resurrected from the dead. So they run back and they tell all the disciples. And most of them couldn't even believe it. In fact, look what it says in uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 11. It says, It seemed like an idle tale. An idle tale and they dare not 
believe. You know, when Jesus, there's a story about Jesus after his resurrection, the disciples are shut up in a room and he just appears and says hello to everyone just to really freak them out. And some of them are looking directly at him and it says that they still could not believe. They would not dare to hope. Did you get that? It was too much for them to allow hope into their heart. It was actually too much. They said, no, 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 no. We, like they just couldn't deal with the devastation. They just watched their Messiah be absolutely destroyed on the cross to die and was buried. And they couldn't even allow that hope to get into their heart. They had no expectation of Jesus, no belief. And I think, you know, can you imagine that the, the gospel is actually so good that it's too good for people to believe? Imagine that. I think that's what it's like today. You know, we tell people, Jesus is alive. Don't tell me that idle tale. Don't tell me that story. It's, it, you mean to tell me that, that what, that God is real? Seriously? Oh, oh, oh what? And, and that He loves me? Come on, you can't believe that, right? For some people, the gospel, it is such an incredibly positively geared, outrageously loving and powerful message that people can't believe that it could be true. Come on, are you serious? I think that people are still like this today. I think that people are still struggled to believe this. And you know, sometimes, come on, let's face it, at Christmas and Easter are sometimes the times when people go to church and they go there out of culture and they go there out of tradition, just like the Marys went, culture and tradition, they went to the tomb with no expectation that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead. And people come to church at Christmas and Easter with no expectation that Jesus can move in their life. Just no expectation. You know, they just came because it's culturally appropriate, you know. Hey, can we help you with anything? No, thanks. I'm fine. It's like the equivalent of window shopping. No, no, thanks. I'm not, look, I'm not here to buy anything. I don't, I don't buy into any of this stuff, right? I'm just, <laughs> just here to please mum. Just... You know, grandma loves it when I come on, on Easter. So, you know, I'm just here to make her happy. And, uh, you know, and this is what, what happens. But, but, but millions upon millions and millions of people have changed their mind about that. Millions of people have changed their mind about Jesus throughout time and history and have started in that place where they say, I can't believe that this could possibly be true. And somewhere they've shifted and they've changed along the way. And maybe you came to church today with no expectation. It's just tradition. It's great. You're here. You're making someone else happy. But guess what? I can tell you that the disciples, they had the same belief as you. No judgment from us. They had the same belief as you. They had no expectation that Jesus would move. And yet something shifted them and changed them, didn't it? Something must have shifted and changed them because they went from mourning to being elated. They went from mourning to completely changing their lives. And I guess it's true that anyone could die for their belief. Anyone can die for their belief. Yeah, but if they die for their belief and they come back from the dead, you might want to listen to them. If they die and they come back again and they say, see, I told you, I mean, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that validate their message just a little bit more? I told you I was coming back. I, I, I told you. 
And, and, and Jesus came back and that's exactly what happened. We see this story, what happened next? You had a bunch of people that were in mourning and suddenly the disciples are breaking out and they're speaking about Jesus and they're testifying as to who He is. And they're saying that ultimately that it changed them. What was the thing that the disciples saw that shifted them from being in a place of mourning, shut up in a room somewhere? What was the thing that totally transformed them? I'll tell you what it was. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because when they saw that, they knew everything that Jesus said was true. When they saw that, it transformed every, all of their perspective about life, death and eternity. When they say that, it moved them, it changed them, it shifted them. And I don't know, like for some people today, maybe it's still hard to believe because it's such an incredible, incredible message that Jesus would come back from the dead. But I'll tell you, I mean, for us as Christians, everything that we believe about life, death and eternity, it hinges on the resurrection. And if that thing isn't true, then nothing we believe is. If that's not true, then we should be pitied. And Paul said that himself. Listen to what he said in 1 Corinthians 15. He said in verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Of course you're in your sins. If Jesus hasn't died on the cross to pay the penalty for your mistakes and your sins, that means they're still on you. And that means that they still need to be paid for. And if they still need to be paid for, who's gonna pay for them? You. And the penalty is way too high to mess around with this stuff. That's why it's worth thinking about what happens after we die in verse 18. It says, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If people believe this and it's not true, that's it. It's done. It's over. They just go to the void. They go to the blackness. They go to what? anything, right? He goes on to say in verse 19, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people, uh, we are of all people most to be pitied. Honestly, people should feel sorry for us. They should. Because if we only have hope in this life, then really what are we doing? We're just kidding ourselves. You know, we just, we should be pitied. Man, those crazy Christians. Man, have you heard what they believe? Oh, I feel sorry for them. They think there's something after this. They're right. I mean, if the resurrection's not real, then, you know, they're right. It's not like good things won't happen out of your life. If you're following Jesus, you'll have a good community. You'll have all of this, right? But I'm talking about eternity now. Because if this isn't true, then people should feel sorry for us. But then Paul goes on to say, he says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. When the scriptures say fallen asleep, it means people that have died. He's the first fruits. If you were to go to an, an apple orchard and you wanted to know if all the fruit was ready to be picked, was it ripe enough to eat? You could just take the first fruit and take a bite of it. And it's an indication that all the other fruit will be ready to be picked too. Because if this one is, the rest will be. That's the first fruit. And you know what it means? It means that whatever has happened to Him will happen to us too. And it means if Jesus is our first fruits, if He's been resurrected from the dead, then that'll happen to us too. 
it goes on to say, For as by one man, aka Adam, by Adam came death because sin spread to all men. By a man, Jesus Christ, who is Jesus Christ, has come also the resurrection of the dead. That's talking about us. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. When Jesus came back from the dead, He didn't just show up to the Marys and a couple of other people. I mean, He just showed up. He showed up to multiple people. And on one account, He appeared to 500 people at one time. And what we look back on now and, and is history, back then when it was written, at the time when these words were penned, many of those people that saw Him were still alive. And, you know, re reporters could have gone to them and say, did you really see it? Like everyone knew that He was alive. Everyone saw it. It, it wasn't contested. They said, Jesus is alive. We know it. We've seen it. And there must have been something in it because it changed the people that were all around Him. And so I say, if you want to know about eternity, then go to the source. If you want to know about eternity, go to the Creator of heaven and earth. Go to the one who's defeated death and to the one who's taking us with Him. And what did Jesus say about, about eternity? Well, I'll tell you one of the things He said. He said, it's real. He said, I go there to prepare a place for you. So it is somewhere, it's a place. It's not in this dimension because He has a kingdom that is not of this world. He said that, my kingdom is not of this world. He said to His disciples, I go to prepare a place. So when people die, they go to a definite place. It is a place, it's not in the clouds. We don't wear togas, well, that we might. I don't know, really, honestly, I have no idea. I don't know what the standard is for a dress code in heaven, but I just don't think so. So the thing is, it's an absolute place. He said, I go there. And the thing that really gets me is He never had to do that. He didn't have to take anyone with Him. He didn't have to endure the cross. He didn't have to despise the shame. But for the joy that was set before Him, there was something about what He was doing that made Him stick with this thing in life. There was something that made Him go through the cross. And I can tell you what it is. It's the fact that He loves people because Easter, despite what you may have heard, ultimately it's a love story. And it's a story about God loving people so much that He went to the nth degree, giving up His own life for His bride, the church, giving up His life for people and why? Oh, well, so that you could spend eternity with Him. So that you might not spend eternity being separated from Him. And I think this, this offer of the Gospel, it still stands. I mean, He made the offer to people back in His day and that offer still stands. I'll tell you why, because the magnitude of Jesus Christ's death on the cross was not only enough to cover just a few people or just the disciples or just the people of His day. No, the magnitude of God dying on a cross is so significant that it would cover every single person for all time. And the Scriptures say, whoever believes and puts their faith and their trust in Him shall never perish, but shall have what? Eternal life. Eternal life. Everything Jesus did was about making a way for people to get from here to there. 
and to spend eternity with Him, but it hinges on that thing called belief. You have to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, and that He rose again, and that He is Jesus, the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And the Scriptures say, if anyone confesses that, if anyone confesses that, they have eternal life. Here's how it works. There is a penalty for sin to be paid. The penalty is death. That's what the Scriptures say. So come on, I, I told you that, you know, death has a 100% strike rate. Okay, but after we die here, where do we go next? And everything that Jesus did is to pay the penalty for all of our mistakes. God's standard for our lives is perfect and not one person in all of history was ever able to live up to that standard except for the person we call Jesus Christ. And what He did is He died on the cross so that today, if you and I, if we say, Jesus, we ask for forgiveness of our sins, He takes all of our sin and He bore it on the cross. So what does that mean? Well, it means that the penalty's already been paid. You, don't, you never pay a penalty twice, only once. So if the penalty has been paid, then I don't have to pay for it. And he's, al he's already done it. And if He just left it there, even that would be pretty amazing. But He doesn't. He does an exchange. He says, I tell you what, I'll take all of your sin and instead I will, this perfect life that I lived, I will give that to you. So what does that mean? Well, it means that He takes all of our punishment and sin and He gives us his perfect life in place of our sinful ones so that when we stand before our Creator, which we all will, I mean, either Jesus is coming back or we're gonna die. Either way, we're gonna stand before our Creator and He's gonna say, let's look at your record. And if at that moment, all He sees is the perfection of His Son, He says, hey, come right in. Let's spend eternity together. That's what Jesus did. It's amazing. It's like a story. It sounds almost too good to be true. And yet, he did it. Every single one of us is going to face our Creator at some time. Here's what we get to do now. We get to choose how we face Him. We get to choose how we do it. And we can either have our penalty paid now by Jesus, or we can pay that penalty ourselves when we stand before Him. But in this life, we get to decide which one that we want. Can you close your eyes for just a minute? I wanna pray for you. I want you to close your eyes because I want you to just listen to the words that I'm saying right now. I want you to zero in and not to be distracted. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. It doesn't matter anything else that you've heard. This moment is one of the most important moments that you can ever have in life. It's the opportunity to have your mistakes covered up front. If you've never given your life to Jesus, or in your heart, you know that you've been out of church for so long that you just have no connection with Him. And today you say, I wanna renew my commitment to Jesus. I wanna ask Him back into my life to take center stage again. Or if you've never given your life to Jesus and today you say, I wanna make a decision to follow Him for the rest of my life. If that's you and somewhere in your heart, you know that that's true. You know and you know it. You don't know how you know. And you don't try to wrestle it. You just know because you believe. God's put that in you so that when you hear this message, you say somewhere in your heart, I just believe. I just know it's true. And if you're here today and you haven't made that decision or you made it such a long time ago and you want to recommit to Jesus right now, just raise your hand and say, that's me. 
I wanna make a decision to follow Jesus. Thank you. Are there more people that say, I wanna make a decision to follow Jesus, to give my life to Him? I'm gonna give this just a second because this is the most important decision you can ever make in your life. Is there anyone else that says, it's me? I wanna make a decision to follow Jesus. I know He needs to be center of my life again. If that's you, just say, that's me. I'll see you and I'll pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. All right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray together. So whether you're here today, you made that decision, or maybe you're watching at home and you made that decision right where you are, we're gonna pray together so the people that are saying that don't have to say it on their own. You ready? Are you ready? Okay, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank You that You love me, that You died on the cross for my sins. I receive You today as my Lord and Saviour. And I choose to follow You every day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.